Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, direct us ever to your Son, Jesus Christ, confessing his name above all other names, for he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is our Savior, and him we confess as such. Help us to speak truthfully of your word and to confess your name before all. Open our ears to hear your word and open our mouths to speak of your compassion and your mercies through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, that might be difficult to read, uh, but you have it in front of you. Um, no, uh, I, I think last week we started looking at the uh, the introit a little bit. Um, the, the Gloria Patri serves as one uh, thematic element of our discussion today. We'll also begin, hopefully, talking about the Curie as well. If you'd like to, to, to see what the Gloria Patri is, please turn to page 16 in the Lutheran hymnal. I would assume it's also on page 5. Page 5, if you recall from the Lutheran hymnal, is the non-communion service. So it's actually page 6 if you're looking for the Gloria Patri, or page 16. Page 15 is the divine service with Holy Communion. But Lat- the Gloria Patri mean, is Latin for glory be to the Father. So we have the Gloria and we have the Patri. Patri, of course, is Father. In, in the Latin, and Gloria is glory. It's a Trinitarian doxology used to conclude a psalm or introit. So, of course, with reference to the introit that we usually chant responsibly, or this coming Sunday, for or this coming Saturday, when we have our uh, VBS Reformation service, we'll be singing from Psalm, I think it's, or chanting Psalm 46, and concluding with the doxology of the Gloria Patri. In the name of the Father, Son, or not in the name of, but uh, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Or the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, as now and ever shall be, world without end. Okay? It's also known as the little doxology, historically as distinguished from the Gloria in Excelsius, which is considered, of course, the big doxology or the large doxology. We'll get into that a little, a little bit later. After the Kyrie, uh, probably next time, in, uh, in divine service, or in the Lutheran service book, we have a, a different options, though, too, in, in two of the services for the glory and excelsis. We have the glory and excelsis, but we also have this is the, this is the feast, and two different settings for that. The Gloria Patri became part of the church's liturgy in the 4th century, both in the East and in the West. Okay, so it wasn't original to, um, to the, the church church's history, at least as we have it today. When Christians sing this part of the liturgy, they are also affirming their belief in the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and And it distinguishes the Christian use of the Psalter and connects the Old Testament text with the later and fuller revelation of the New Testament. 
So if you'll notice, just in terms of the transition from the Gloria Patri to the Kyrie, the Gloria Patri, we might say, is, uh, is you know, it's not unrepresentative of the New Testament, but we have the glory referenced there, and we might think of the glory as in the Old Testament. You know, remember when, when the children of Israel completed the, uh, the building of the tabernacle the first time, or the temple when it was built by Solomon the first time, and then also, uh, I believe, the second temple too, when it was built a, a little later time. But especially with the tabernacle as it was initially built and consecrated, as well as the temple when it was initially built and consecrated, the glory of the Lord descended upon the temple, and the priests could not serve anymore because the glory of the Lord was there. Okay, uh, But in the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy upon us, Lord have mercy upon us, that's more representative of, or representative of the New Testament, and we'll, we'll get into that uh, a little bit uh, in just a few moments. So we could look at Romans 16 and a few other places for the Gloria Patri and, and with reference to its uh, um, where it was derived from. So first Romans 16, and if you find it, just go ahead and read it. Romans 16, verse 27. To God alone lies be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Yeah, so it's it's not, this isn't the, I guess, the full, right? The glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we do have uh, the substance there. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Uh, we also have, uh, in, in we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later with reference to the Lord's Prayer, because if you're ever in a Catholic service, you might recall um, finding yourself a little bit out of place because we say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Right, yeah. Okay, so so Romans 16:27 to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Uh, would someone read Ephesians 3, verse 21, please? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Yeah, and, and what's fascinating about uh, about the passage you just read, as, as well as the previous one, um, is, uh, of course, the, the reference to Christ that is there. Um you know, and and then also, uh, of course, God. So to Him be glory. Well, who is He speaking to? Uh, verse twenty-six, and then the preceding passages as well. So the, the 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 identical praise and glory that we give to God the Father, we also give to Jesus Christ too. What about Philippians four, verse twenty? Okay. So that one uh, seems a little shorter. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What about Revelation 1.6? To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, we, we have this... this, uh, this Revelation of giving God glory continually. Right? Rejoice always. 
Um, again, I say rejoice, says Paul, to the Philippians. Glory to the Father and to the Son. In old Lutheran circles, uh, no, old Lutheran circles, that's probably meaning early Lutheranism. Um, the custom has been maintained to the present time of bowing the head in due and lowly reverence at the glory of Patri and at the name of Jesus throughout the service. So every once in a while, you know, one of my practices um, as of, you know, the, the last several years is when we come to the Gloria Patri, you might notice that I bow, I bow my head. Um, you might notice, uh, like, at the, uh, when we're speaking, the, when we're confessing the creed in the second article, especially towards the end of, you know, and life everlasting, you know, many pastors and some lay people will do this too. They'll, they'll bow their head and they'll also make the sign of the cross in remembrance of one's baptism. So at the at various parts of the service, when the glory of Patri is there or the name of Jesus is referenced, you know, you'll see some who bow the head. You don't have to do that. Um, and it's not a sign of false piety, but a recognition, acknowledgement of, of Christ and who he is and the like. So, um, so there's that. Now, with reference to the Kyrie, moving on, uh, it comes from the Greek word Kyrie, a liaison, which means Lord have mercy. Okay, and so so uh, on verse in, on page 17 or page 7, I think in the Lutheran hymnal, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, and then upon us. The the reference in Lutheran service book for Kyrie for the Kyrie is Mark 10. Verse 47. And would someone would someone read the, that verse, please? When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. All right, pretty straightforward. And there's a number of other places, too, where we have those who call out to Jesus saying, have mercy on me, have mercy on us. And the context for this is, is that of blind Bartimaeus, as, he's, uh, as his name is. We're in Jericho. And this is another factor, too, another component of this. Um, I'm starting to notice more and more when we read the New Testament how many, how many name places there are referencing the Old Testament, too. So, I mean, remember what happened to Jericho? The walls came tumbling down, right? Um, so the, the people of Israel walked around one time for seven days. On the seventh day, they walked around seven times, and then they shouted. And then the walls came tumbling down. Um, so it's that Jericho, and by the way, that the city of Jericho was rebuilt, but not without the death of a couple sons, as was prophesied after it fought, fell. All right, so... Um, but Bartimaeus was a blind beggar. He's the son of Timaeus in verse 46. And notice what happened in, in verse 48. Many rebuked him, that is Bartimaeus, because what was he saying? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what, what, what is fascinating about this verse, just looking at it now, is the fact that not only Jesus of Nazareth, he recognizes where he grew up, because really he grew up in Nazareth, but he was born where? In Bethlehem, uh, there was an account where uh, the Pharisees, I think, were arguing, 
and and they were saying that you know have you read the scripture you know they said you know do you not know that there's no prophet that is arisen out of Nazareth right um, but uh, interestingly Matthew draws attention to this in the the, the the birth narrative accounts and shortly thereafter Jesus uh, and his family moved to Nazareth because King Herod was you know on a rampage to kill the children right he wanted to put Jesus to death but it was not his time so they went to Nazareth and you might recall that phrase in Matthew with reference to uh, I don't know if it's Zechariah but one of the older either Zechariah or one of the Old Testament prophets he shall be called a Nazarene a Nazarite in fulfillment of prophecy Okay, but this uh, this Bartimaeus recognized who Jesus, um, where Jesus was, but also by saying Jesus, son of David. He was actually believing him to be the son of David. In other words, the Messiah promised to David in uh, in Second Samuel seven. He cried out to him and said, "Have mercy on me." Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And then, of course, the people just changed their ways. They're saying, Shut up, be quiet, be quiet. Okay, now he's calling you, come on. <laughs> you know, they did a 180. They called to the blind man, saying, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, "Go your way. Your faith has made you well." And does anyone can can someone read verse fifty-two from the New King James Version, if it's any different? Fifty-two. Yeah. Then Jesus said to him, "Go your way. Your faith has made you well." And okay. Okay, is that the NIV or is that King James, New King James? Okay. Um, okay. The, the reason why I wanted to draw attention to that specifically is, um, yes, his faith made him well, uh, but oftentimes in the original, the words are not just made you well, but actually saved you. Saved you. And then that would imply not only saving from blindness, but salvation. Sozo, yeah. Which is really intriguing um, because it's, you know, salvation then uh, is, is connected both to physical as well as to eternal. In Christ. And and really, you know, with, with, with you know, and, and that's, a, that's a topic... Um, you know, for for uh, for study as well. But re- recall what Jesus uh, he he came to to preach, right? The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, but also, did he heal, which was an indication of what would come and what would be upon his second return. Remember, I should say second return, uh, but when he returns. So when he comes again, what's going to happen or what will be for us in heaven? Will we still have sin well, or no sickness? sickness? Yeah, I mean, be no sickness. yeah, we'll have a glorified body and, uh, and, and the like. And, and uh, 
you know, so we recall too that uh, the resurrection of the dead, Jesus, excuse me, did resurrect people from the dead, raise people from the dead by his word. Remember Lazarus, for example, John 11, Lazarus come forth, what did he do? And as mentioned... He told him to unwrap him and set him free. Right. And, you know, it, it was so. And if you put the two and two together, if Jesus raised a dead person back to life from the dead, having been dead, how should we say, literally, physically, clinically, all of the above, right? If Jesus did that, who's to say that God couldn't create the world with the word? You see the relation? If you believe the one, how, how hard is it to believe the other? How different is it to believe the other? If, if, if uh, and I, I say if just for the sake of argument, but if, if, Jesus, if, uh, if Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, by the way, born of a virgin, there, there's no seed to the egg. We know that's how fertilization takes place. Um, if a woman conceived of the Holy Spirit and uh, Jesus was born of a virgin, you know, how different is that from, from Jonah being swallowed by a fish at the Lord's command? Or the crossing of the Red Sea, or, you know, I mean, we, we have even the resurrection from the dead in the Old Testament, too, with Elijah and Elisha. Or the cleansing of leprosy by just washing in the, in the dirtiest river around. Remember Naaman? Yeah. The Syrian? By the way, he was also commander of the army, which is crazy to think of. Or Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. You know, I mean, we think of all these accounts. You know, how, 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 how much different is it to believe the one and not to believe the other? I mean, if you believe the one, why not also believe the other too? I think there's a, there's a case that could be made for that. Of course. So the Kyrie is a brief prayer sung by the congregation. It is the congregation's first prayer in the divine service in which God's mercy is sought by its members. Uh, notice, I, I guess, you know, and this is uh, kind of taking the position that the confession absolution is kind of before the service, right? But the, the service itself, the service of the word, now you, you might recall, and it's, it's not so much identified here in TLH, but the Lutheran Service Book has kind of like the, the, confet, the intro, the confession absolution before the service of the word. And I, I think that's the position that he's taking here because if you, the confession of sins, of course, that's a confession of sins, but also do we pray in that one too? You know, for the Lord's mercy. But Kyrie, Lord have mercy. Um, sometimes Christians will say this also, you know, throughout, uh, you know, throughout the day. Probably on Tuesday, I'm guessing, many Christians will be saying, Lord have mercy, before and afterwards as well. And, you know, we, we jest about that, but I'm being serious too, as we kind of are, right? Um, because Lord have mercy, that has to do when, you know, when we get that report from the doctor, when we get the report from the pollsters. Although, okay, I, I shouldn't say pollsters because, you know, numbers just are here and there, right? It, it's the final count that matters, right? 
Um, but, uh, you know, we, we also recognize that, uh, that with this prayer, Lord have mercy, whose hands are we in? And whose will are we looking toward and to? God. Right? So, um, I, I'm thinking right now of, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed to his Father that the cup be removed from him, that he not drink of it. But then he said, not my will, but yours be done. And, you know, some would say, well, if, 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 if the Father loved his Son, he would not have allowed him to go through this. And I want to ask, well, why do you say that? I, I don't think any parent wants their child to suffer. And, and parents will do all that they can that their children not suffer. Um, but the, the Father's love and Jesus' love also is greater than anything that we can fathom. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, honestly, you know, concerning that, you know, all I can say is that the Father loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And that his son was obedient to his Father's will. Um, another example from the Old Testament, by the way, is Isaac. I, 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 you know, there's no indication in the Old Testament of Isaac saying anything other than, Father, the knife, the wood, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. And he did. But I, I, I can't imagine Isaac you know, being bound up by Abraham you know what he say, Father? But why? Why? You know. And I mean, I can imagine Abraham having tears in his eyes. You know, not because he was being disobedient to God, but because he was about to lose his son. Um, but but we see, you know, God's grace and kindness, and the Lord substituted a ram for his son. And you know, there's uh, there, there's certainly. Uh, a connection to how Jesus is the substitute for for us in sacrificing himself willingly. But when we say, Lord, have mercy, that's exactly what we're doing too. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. You know, um, I might think I know better, but I really don't, Lord, but you do. And and by the way, you know, that there's in, in our prayers... Even on Sunday morning, you know, we, we do pray that those who are sick get well, but only according to the Lord's will. And and we also recognize as God's people that it may be God's will that that individual not recover. Um, and I, I found in, in my in my experience, oftentimes it's those who are dying that demonstrate a stronger faith. Not always, uh, but for diehard Christians, how encouraging that is. You know, where where, where is the Christians who, you know, I, I think of Millie Turk, and she's in her 90s. <laughs> you know, uh, she just turned, was it 99? You know, and, and she's, you know, she's ready to go. I mean, literally, she's ready to go. Yeah, but but what a what a what a comfort it is 
you know, to, to hear her and, and to be encouraged by her. She knows where she's going to go. And it, it's just so sad because she's, she's wanted the sacrament for, for, for ages now. And, and sadly, she, she hasn't been able to receive it because of, you know, and I don't want to say it's COVID-19 anymore. I want to say it's because of our response to COVID-19. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, there, there are things more important than COVID-19. Maybe I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, but then uh, lastly, in this prayer, we call on God to favor us even though we deserve nothing. I mean, re- reflect on this account too for Mark 10. Um, Jesus could have said no. But he didn't. And so, you know, when we pray to the Lord for mercy... Um, Again, according to his good and gracious will, and even if he answers no, or even if the answer is no, that doesn't mean we deny him. Right? Or if he says, not yet. All right. Um, one other account that I can think of um, is the woman who, who had a daughter that was demon-possessed, or a son that was demon-possessed, you recall? Uh, the Canaanite woman. She cried too, have mercy. You know, and, and there's a little interaction there between Jesus and the disciples, or the disciples and Jesus, and Jesus uh, speaking to the disciples, and then Jesus to the woman, right? And the woman to Jesus. And yet, uh, you know, as they believed, so it was.